WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. On today's show, we've been highlighting some of our producers' favorite interviews of the year. It's something we like to call producer picks. For today's final pick, team member Luke Green has chosen our interview with Foo Fighters band leader and former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl, whose memoir, The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music, was published this year. Here's Luke to tell us why he picked it. Thanks, Allison. And hey, All of It listeners. My name is Luke, a producer here on the show. In August, I saw Dave Grohl had a memoir coming out, and I thought, hmm, that looks interesting. And I remembered that Grohl had been the drummer for Nirvana. Now, I wasn't even alive when Nirvana was doing its thing, so I only know the band and Kurt Cobain through what I think of as pop culture osmosis. I started reading Grohl's book, and it hit me just how revolutionary Nirvana was in the early 90s, which I get is not like a hot take or anything, but it reminded me of when I was a kid and my dad would be washing the dishes, listening to grunge music. He'd be air guitaring and say things like, Luke, I'm telling you, you have to start listening to 90s grunge music. That was the best scene ever. And I would just roll my eyes, but I have to say, Dad... You were right. Ever since Dave came on the show, I've been listening to Nirvana and those power chords on repeat. It's been the soundtrack to my fall, and maybe it can be the sound of your 2022. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. I remember the day Amy Finnerty at MTV came in with the Smells Like Teen Spirit video. In it with a three-quarter tape, this like big fat thing like the size of your book, <laughs> and just ran from office to office putting it in machines. Like, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. You have to watch this. And it was one of those moments when everybody there just thought, you know, did like, you know, when dogs tilt their heads like, huh? <laughs> everybody was like, what is this? We all know what happened. For you, what was the moment you knew, especially in those first early days, that life was not going to be the same? Um, well, when I first joined the band, it was back to square one. And uh, we were living in these squalid, crappy apartments and we're sometimes selling stuff for food. Like we would have to sell maybe an old amplifier so we could get a little money to get some food. But there were these record companies that were taking us out to like Benihana every night. <laughs> they like throw down the company card, and I, the, you know, they 
they had heard Nirvana before and I think they saw some sort of potential, not that they thought we'd be the biggest band in the world, but they just thought, okay, well, we want this band to sign to our label. And they would take us out and kind of shower us with all of this attention and all of this Benihana. And, and then we go back to the crappy little apartment. And, but around that time, uh, we did sign a record deal and we were asked to come down to LA to make the record at this legendary studio, Sound City. Now, I didn't really think that this was a life-changing moment, but I did look forward to it as the coolest thing that I had ever done. And it kind of like ramped up from there. I think that um, once the Smells Like Teen Spirit video came out, everything changed. And, um, and I joke, like, you want to know how to sell a million records? make a video where you're burning down your high school. Like, I mean, that was basically, that was basically it. As we were making the video, I have to be honest, it felt a little spinal tap to us. There were like, there were like, like there was flames and a director with a bullhorn. And that was kind of out of our bandwidth at that time, out of our universe. But once it was on TV, that's when that 300 capacity club we were booked to play in, had 300 more people trying to get in. Mm -hmm. And then that 500 capacity place had 500 more people trying to get in. And we would watch this from inside our stinky van. Like, oh my God, what is going on right now? This is crazy. And then it just became more and more chaotic quickly. Mm -hmm. And it, it seemed like there was some sort of revolution happening. And it was around then that I felt like, oh my God, like we're trapped. We're never, we're never gonna get out of this thing. Get to get in a bigger van. We eventually, well, we got a trailer. <laughs> got a trailer out of it. <laughs> we didn't have to sleep on the equipment anymore. It was a big upgrade. My guest is Dave Grohl. The name of his book is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music. You obviously have to write about Kurt Cobain's death, and you do it in such an interesting way in the book because you write about the first time you thought he died of an yeah. overdose. And then, and then, sort of getting that moment of, oh, wait, no, he's going to survive. And then obviously he took his own life. When you were thinking about how to write about this, what went through your mind? How did you, how did you want to write about it? And how did you come up with the decision to sort of frame it within that first scare? And then also within the death of a very good friend of yours many years later. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that was the last thing I wrote for the book. Oh, interesting. I to oh. write it. And I was coming up on the deadline. They're like, dude, the deadline's Tuesday. And it was Sunday night. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to lock the door and I'm going to go for it. Because mm -hmm. I knew what people wanted me to write. I knew that people wanted, to, wanted me to answer all of these questions that they may have had. Um, but, you know, I have just as many questions as everyone else. It's that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. So I thought rather than write, you know, this sort of logistical play by play of that time, I thought that I would explain the emotional process and what it is to lose someone and uh, how you deal with loss and mourning and um, how there's no there's no textbook. There's no instruction manual on how to do that. And it differs from person to person and what it is about the relationship that determines the amount of pain. Is it time? Like I, I really only knew Kurt for three and a half or four years. 
that his passing uh, hurt a lot. My best friend, Jimmy Swanson, I've, I've known him since I was five years old. And when he passed, it hurt a lot. And over the years, you know, you kind of deal with those things in different ways. And so that that piece that I wrote about that has more, it's more of a, it's a much broader emotional um, look at, uh, at losing someone. This is a personal question, and the book's very personal, but, you know, a lot of people are vintage who are in the music business aren't with us anymore. Scott Weiland, Lane Staley, Chris Cornell. So happy you are. Oh. Why, why do you think you are? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot of reasons. But um, I, since I was young, I've just, I really love life. I really do. And I mean, I wring it out, like every drop out of it. I'm just like, I feel like um, just the opportunity to be alive is inspiring enough to take advantage of every day. And even on the like dark days or the gray days, um, I try to kind of like get my head over the, above the clouds and, and to see something good in it. Um, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, you know, I've tried to navigate my way through this whole thing with some sense of uh, survival, because as you see all of these people uh, leave us mm -hmm. prematurely, it's like, oh man, God, there was so much more, you know, there was so like, oh God, I wish they were here. God, there was so much more. If they just could have hung on, you know, if they just could have like thought about like how much there is to look forward to. Um, so it hurts, you know, whenever I see another musician go down, um, of course it breaks my heart for that person and their family but i also have this that my heart goes out to their to their bandmates because when you lose someone in your band it's a long road man like it's a lifetime and uh it's not easy but um i you just i think you just have to really appreciate life and how lucky you are to be alive and how fragile everything is you know, I mean, I've, I used to feel like Superman. I could do anything. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm not in any, I'm not vulnerable. I'm not fragile. And then I fall off the stage and break my leg. I'm like, wait a second, these things break? Like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you start thinking like, oh, maybe I should try to take care of myself a little bit. I know you have to go. We have to go, but I can't end on a downer note. Um, you get to be an elder in music and rock and roll like it's great to get to be i think about that when people are like oh you've you've been around the block I'm like, yeah i have been around the block this is great i have i've been able to do this yeah um what do you like about being a statesman as they say <laughs> um and what do you understand now about people who come up to you and have that kind of appreciation because you write in the book you have a lot of gee whiz moments with iggy pop and tom petty and people that you really looked up to and you had the opportunity to engage with so that's sort right. of a long two-parter okay so recently we were at the mtv awards and we got this icon i award. saw that <laughs> all right so i'm so we show up and we're like crosby stills and nash compared to everybody <laughs> else. we're like at least 40 years older than anybody else in there 
And I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, we haven't been on the channel for 20 years, but we're like, this is going to be right. And I remember I, they put us in these seats where they could like show us on camera. And I walk up to my seat and I sit down and I'm next to this really handsome young man who's dressed up real nice. And so I introduced myself because just be polite. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Dave. He's like, what's up, man? I'm Ian. I said, how's it going? It's great. And I said, uh, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm up for song of the year for the thing. I'm like, no way, dude. Oh, my God. Like, that's incredible. I had no idea who he was. I'm like, dude, so stoked. How stoked are you? That's incredible. He's like, yeah. Blah, blah. He goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm getting this icon award thing, whatever. He's like, oh, that's great. Congratulations. And it was cool because, like, you know, as musicians, I I, I wasn't familiar with what he did. What, what he did. He, I don't think he was familiar with what I did. But we both had this like mutual appreciation. Like we're just musicians, you know. Scene. Mm -hmm. It should be like this community. It should be cool. So, but I do have to say, there are times where we'll go play a big festival, and we're playing with like all the awesome young new bands, right? And we show up and it's like, man, I got gray hair, my teeth are all chipped, and I got like these wrinkles, and I'm 52 years old, and I love it. I love it because I'm like, I'm, you know, rock and roll can be considered a young man's game. And so we get up on the stage and we just blast and everything just goes and I'm I'm proud. Like I'm I'm proud to have to be honest, I'm proud to have survived. What was it like to play the inauguration? I mean, to be honest, it was pre-recorded. <laughs> so it was at a time we were in California and we couldn't get out to DC to film it. Um, it's so a beautiful performance. Thank you. We did it in our studio. And then a couple of days later, I went down to Hawaii. So when the inauguration was on, I was like literally in board shorts, drinking a Coors Light, watching it on TV. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, it was an honor to be included without question. But I was getting texts from all my buddies in D.C. that are like, dude, why didn't you call us? Why didn't you tell us you're in town? And I just took a picture of like my board shorts and a Coors Light. I'm like, yeah, it's pre-recorded. Sorry. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about your book that you're dying to tell public radio listeners? Listen, I think I've said enough. <laughs> the name of the book is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music. Dave Grohl, it is so nice to see you again. Good to see you. It's been a while. Hope you're good. That was the second part of my conversation with Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters and Nirvana about his new memoir, The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music. And to go out, let's listen to that performance Foo Fighters gave for President Biden's inauguration. Mackenzie Adams reminds me of another outstanding teacher who holds a very special place in my heart, my mother, Virginia, who was a public school teacher for 35 years. Like Mackenzie and Dr. Jill Biden, she was also a mentor to her students, remembered long after their graduation. This year, our teachers were faced with unprecedented challenges. But through dedication and creativity, they faced those challenges head on. So this next song is for Mackenzie and all of our unshakable teachers that continue to enlighten our nation's kids every day. This is called Times Like These.
That was my conversation with Dave Grohl, whose debut memoir is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music. That segment was chosen for today's producer picks by team member Luke Green. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.